Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, as you've been hearing in the news, convicted sex offender Randall Hopley is back in police custody. Arrested outside an actual VPD station, an off-duty police officer apparently recognized him and arrested him there. And they believe that Hopley was actually trying to turn himself in. He said he was cold. The question now, though, is how to prevent similar incidents in the future. Now, Dr. Rosemary Riccadelli is a professor of sociology and criminology at Memorial University and joins us now to talk about that. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Are there lessons to be learned here from the Hopley case? And if so, what are they? Well, I don't necessarily know um, lessons to be learned. I don't think this is a very um, unique case. You have an individual who breached his parole um, and and he's he's on a long-term statutory offender. Um, he's on an LTSO. And what that means is he is under the surveillance of Correctional Service Canada for at least a 10-year period. What's interesting about this particular designation, when he breaches and goes back to prison, that designation pauses. It doesn't continue. Um, it pauses, so he has to serve the entire term. So it, it, in many ways, CSC and Correctional Service Canada and the parole board is actually taking a lot of precautions to ensure that he is constantly under supervision. Okay, so then what changes for him now? As you say, rather than being out, he was out before at the halfway house, he will have to go back to prison. It is very likely he will go back to um, prison on a parole be- a breach, a breach of his, his orders. And what that will mean is his long-term offender status, that will continue post his release, but that will pause and he will have to serve whatever time has been incurred based on his breach, his breach based on his warrant expiration. And how long does the designation of long-term statutory offender go on for? Is it just until something changes or until somebody applies to have it changed? Um, It really depends on what is imposed by the courts, right, and by the parole board. So in that context, um, most of them tend to be around a decade. Okay, a decade then. Are there holes in the system, though, Dr. Riccadelli? Like from what you saw with this particular case, are there areas that we kind of need to perhaps strengthen there's many holes in the system, and it's not because anyone's not well-intentioned in trying. It, there's, um, there's a vast possibility. We have parole officers who are really overworked. There's a good chance that they're doing their best but un, are unable to provide the degree of supervision that's necessary for a particular person. And you have to remember that each individual is unique. It has unique needs. So their opportunity for successful reentry will vary based on how well our systems can meet their needs. Okay, so that's an area that I feel like we don't talk enough about, right? People want conditions, they want more supervision, but can the system handle that kind of supervision? And that's where it gets complicated. And also, what kind of supervision are we imposing? Are we looking at their needs and imposing restrictions and imposing circumstances or conditions that help them do better in the society in which they exist? Or are we imposing conditions and ways of living that are pushing them to adhere to something that maybe they aren't able to? So it gets really complicated. And do they have the degrees of, you know, interventions and supports and mental health supports? And, you know, you have a sex offender um, based on his criminality. Is he getting the supports he needs, the, the behavioral therapies necessary 
to understand the difference between consenting and non-consenting. But this is, is he getting the treatment he needs in order to ensure that he does not reoffend? What do we do, though, when somebody doesn't want the treatment? Because that was the case here where in his history, it turns out he he didn't engage in any of the treatment. Well, then we have to actually look at the treatment and what's making people not want it. And what can we do to make it meet the needs of the person who's actually requiring it? You know, I don't think people just don't want treatment. I think sometimes there's... um there's verification or, or there's a, a diversity or a disjuncture between what a person needs and what feels to be working. So is the treatment actually meeting his needs? And if it is meeting his needs, why don't we look at what's, uh, what are the barriers to participation? So we're talking about tailoring the treatment better to the person that we're trying to help? Yeah, like when we look at, think of mental health in general in our, in our population, think of these, the vulnerable population. We're not going to impose a treatment that's not going to work for them. We're going to try to tailor that treatment to best meet their needs. Hmm. Can the so system, why is it different when we change populations? Can the system handle something like that? Well, if it can't, I think we have to do more in order to make it handle it. We have to look at, you know, persons who are incarcerated are amongst the most vulnerable in our populations. You know, if you think about, you know, we celebrate people who work in these in homeless shelters. We celebrate people who work with vulnerable populations. And then you go into the prisons, and these officers and the staff are working with our most vulnerable population. We don't celebrate them in the same way. So if we really want to make an impact, maybe we have to change how we perceive the realities of those incarcerated. So what kind of changes do you think are, I don't want to use the word easiest, but most reachable, I guess, for us to make in light of the situation? I think if we can do more to give office parole officers, for example, but everyone an ability to meet the, the requirements of their job with proper staffing and proper caseloads and things that are manageable and feasible so they can actually provide what they need to provide for each client in which they oversee. I think we can do a lot. And I know it's a human resource issue, but I, I'm, I've done a lot of work in parole and I've never met parole officers who don't care about the people under their supervision. So often what I see is their wellness moves in tandem with the needs of the people they supervise. And when they feel they can't do their job the way they want, because of staffing shortages and high caseloads, they become quite stressed. So we can probably help everyone in the system by rethinking a little bit about, you know, caseloads and human resource needs. Hmm. That's a really and good that point. And that brings us to a bigger problem because we have a, a poor, we, we have a challenge right now in all public safety fields of recruiting and retaining the necessary staffing. Hmm. So this would help on that regard as well. Dr. Riccadelli, thank you so much for your time on that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. That's Dr. Rosemary Riccadelli, who's a professor of sociology and criminology at Memorial University, talking about the strains in the system that I think this Randall Hopley situation has really kind of exposed. And she makes an excellent point there, is that if that monitoring system were more robust, if those people didn't feel like they were overworked, if they had more support and there were more people to do that, then maybe we wouldn't have had a situation where he was so easily able to just cut off his bracelet and walk away from a halfway house and wander around for 10 days before turning himself in because he was cold. Uh, so th is that the part of the system that needs to be supported? Sure, we can put the conditions down and say, yes, this person must be monitored. Not much good, right? Unless you have the system in place to make sure the monitoring actually occurs.